0: Welcome into the Arts After College podcast, powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host, Kyle Ireland. Happy to be with you today as we wrap up week number three of the 2020 NFL season. We had some exciting performances this last week, obviously a number of local guys, Had good games, and that was great to see after, you know, I felt like we had a little bit of a disappointing a little bit of a downer in week two as far as some of the locals in the NFL were concerned. But we had some highlight performances by locals from teams like the University of Utah and BYU in week number three of the 2020 NFL season. We also had an awesome matchup on Monday Night Football. We'll talk about all of that on today's Yards After College podcast if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the Yards After College podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us you know, get the show out there to other people that aren't aware of the NFL podcast that we have going on here at kslsports.com. Again, happy to be with you today to talk about the week three of the NFL season. We're going to recap all of the performances that were highlighted by these locals in the NFL. And then we're also going to have an interview with our BYU insider, Mitch Harper. Mitch has covered BYU for a number of years, and he's been one of two media members to be at both of BYU's games throughout the first two weeks that BYU's played of their schedule for the 2020 season in college football. We're going to talk to him about some of BYU's Players in the NFL, their performances, what he's seen as far as their growth from their time in college at BYU to where they're at in the NFL now. And then we're also going to ask him about some NFL prospects that are currently playing for the Cougars. So we're going to start the show off today with a little segment I like to call Instant Replay. <laughs> Starting off today's instant replay for week number three, we're going to talk about Fred Warner and his big game for the San Francisco 49ers. Fred Warner helped the Niners beat the San Francisco Giants, and it wasn't even close. I mean, the Giants are not good this year. Their own three after this week three game. San Francisco's defense, led by Fred Warner, was super impressive. They went on to win the game 36-9. Uh, the Niners are now 2-1 on the season. Fred Warner had just a beast of a game against the Giants. He was all over the field. He He's just put up some great numbers throughout the first three games of the NFL season. Obviously, the Niners lost the first game of the season to the Arizona Cardinals, but they've won back-to-back games now, and Fred Warner's been a big part of that. Against the Giants, he had seven total tackles, including two solo tackles. He had a pass breakup and an interception The interception was his second of his NFL career. Obviously, you know, thinking back to last season, he had that one in the Super Bowl. But in his last four games, to be able to have the interceptions that he's had has been pretty impressive to be able to have two picks in four games. A nice start to the season for Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers. Another update for the 49ers is last week they signed... Former BYU defensive end Ziggy Ansa. we've seen Ziggy play for a number of teams now, obviously was with the Detroit Lions for a number of years, uh, played with the Seahawks, and then now is with the San Francisco 49ers. It was nice to see Ziggy sign with the San Francisco 49ers, be able to get back on a roster after not being there throughout the offseason and through the first two weeks of the season. Uh, Another thing that happened for a former BYU player was Kyle Van Noy for the Miami Dolphins. My goodness, Kyle Van Noy had a good game in the Dolphins, 31-13 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Van Noy had three total tackles, one solo tackle, a sack, two quarterback hits, a forced fumble, and on the forced fumble, it was a strip sack, and then he recovered the fumble. Uh, The Dolphins went on to win that game on Thursday Night Football over the Jacksonville Jaguars to pick up their first win of the season. Nice to see Kyle Van Noy be able to help his team to a victory. Moving on to the former Utes in the NFL, former Utah safety Julian Blackman got his first start in his second game after coming back off of a knee injury in the Pac-12 championship game last season. Blackman had one tackle in the Colts' 36-7 win. Again, it was his first start against the New York Jets. A big win for the Colts to move to 2-1. It was nice to see Blackman be able to you know, have an impact in his first game to be able to earn that start for the Colts now that they have some depth issues due to injury. Former Utes wide receiver Tim Patrick caught his first touchdown of the 2020 NFL season in the Broncos 28 to 10 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Patrick finished the game with four catches for 43 yards and the score. Bummer news for a former Utah State Aggie coming out of week three of the NFL season. Former Utah State wide receiver JoJo Natson for the Cleveland Browns suffered an injury, a season-ending knee injury, according to Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski. Uh, He said that JoJo was going to be put on IR after having one carry for three yards and then also a punt return for 11 yards and a kick return for 31 yards in the Browns' 34-20 win over the Washington football team on Sunday. Not only a disappointment for the Browns, but also for Natson because it was his first season with the Cleveland Browns, and now he's out for the rest of the year. Former Southern Utah defensive back, and now Cincinnati Bengals cornerback after spending the first few seasons of his NFL career with the Tennessee Titans, LaShawn Sims. Had His first interception of the 2020 NFL season along with two total tackles and a pass breakup in the Bengals 23 to 23 tie. I hate those ties in the NFL. I wish that there was a little bit of a different uh, end to that game to be able to have a, a win there for LaShawn Sims and the Bengals, but they tied 23 to 23 with the Philadelphia Eagles. Both teams moved to 0-2 and 1 on the season. Last but not least, former Highland Ram and also former Michigan Wolverine star defensive tackle for the Seattle Seahawks, Brian Monet, had two tackles, one solo tackle, and a tackle for loss, which resulted in a safety during the Seahawks' 38-31 win over the Dallas Cowboys. The Seahawks and Brian Monet are now 3-0 and on the season after the win. That'll do it for this week's Instant Replay following Week 3 of the NFL season. We'll take a quick break, and after the break, you'll hear my conversation with BYU insider Mitch Harper as we discuss some of the local Cougars in the NFL and also some potential prospects for the league that are now playing for BYU in the 2020 college football season, how they're performing through the first two games of BYU's schedule and what it means for their NFL prospects, all that and more after this break. A gun in the face. Welcome back into the Yards After College podcast. Happy to be joined now by our one and only BYU insider at kslsports.com. He's not only a BYU insider on the website, but he's also the host of the Cougar Tracks podcast and also a co-host on Cougar Sports Saturday. For all things BYU, you can check him out. His name is Mitch Harper. Mitch, how are you doing today? Doing great, Kyle. Happy to be on the Yak Yards After College. going to be a lot of fun. You're the first person that I've had on that's called it the yak. I mean, I know that like in house we've we've nicknamed it as such. Uh, I like the hashtag YAC, you know, but the the yak. I I don't know if I don't know if I'm on board yet, but I mean, maybe maybe you'll catch it on with us and we'll keep it rolling. But uh, I uh, I'm happy to have you on this week because we've got a few weeks, you know, under our belt as far as the college football season is concerned. But we're also three weeks into the NFL season now. And there's been a number of local guys in the NFL, locals in the NFL from BYU in particular that I wanted to have you on to talk about because I, I feel like BYU for the last, you know, five, 10 years, Mitch, has been really like undervalued in the state as, as opposed to like the University of Utah when it comes to NFL talent, right? You've got nearly 30 guys from the University of Utah in the National Football League and you don't have that many from BYU. But there is, you know, a, a talent versus, you know, quality versus quantity. You right. want to have that argument? I feel like there's some heavy hitters from BYU guys that are exciting. Uh, a, a guy like Fred Warner, who was in the NFL's top 100 this off season, and let's start off with Fred because I think that you know, for the through the first three weeks of the NFL season, and I feel like it's been this way through the first you know two years of his career as well. Every time I turn on the TV, Mitch, I see Fred Warner, and it looks like he's better than the game before. What have you seen from Fred Warner, you know, through these first three years of his season, because, or of his career, that is, because I feel like he's such a different linebacker than he was at BYU. And you've covered him, you know, since he was being recruited all the way through his time at BYU. How, How have you seen Fred change his game to where he is now?
1: Yeah, at BYU, he was a hybrid safety slash linebacker in those final two years in Kalani Satake's defense at BYU. Now he's a. A, a true linebacker, and he's one of the best in the NFL, honestly. Like I mean, like you said, I mean, every single game, it feels like he's just getting better. Uh, he continues to improve. I mean, you're looking at someone this year who's had, what, 28 tackles in three weeks, just continues to rack up the plays. And he's just a playmaker, too. I mean, forced fumbles, he can do it all. And that's always been the calling card for Fred Warner, even back in his days at BYU, was that, Uh, kind of a little bit like a Calvin Noy, where if you need a big play on the defensive side, he can make that for you. I I think Kyle, he's gotten better uh, as a player in the foot in the national football league. Sometimes guys make it to the league, but they don't necessarily progress. They kind of just are who they are from their days, maybe at college. That's okay. You're getting paid tons of money because of that. But I just feel like he's continued to evolve his game where each and every year, each and every week he's continuing to improve and, I think that the next two to three years, you're going to be looking at Fred Warner He's one of the best linebackers in the National Football League. And that's pretty exciting because when you go back to your argument of for BYU, quality over quantity, that is the case. And Fred Warner highlights that. I mean, a guy that was what a top 70 overall pick in the NFL draft when he came out in the 2018 draft class. He's far exceeded that draft spot uh, and is one of the best in the league right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the last four games for Fred Warner, he's been super impressive. Obviously, that includes the Super Bowl where he had that interception. But his last game, I know they were playing the Giants, and the Giants aren't great but the giants were dominated by the 49ers who were severely injured. And Fred Warner was part of that. I mean, he had seven tackles. He had one interception, you know, I feel like he's becoming a more well-rounded player. Like you said, where, you know, it's not just like a, a talent here or a talent there, but he's, he's being able to, you know, be a leader on that defense for the 49ers. I mean, he's a captain this year for that team, which I think is impressive in and of itself, but how do you think the Niners organization has set Fred up for success? Because, you know, five, ten years ago, it seemed like they've kind of gone through a little bit of an up and down, right? Like they, they went to the Super Bowl with Jim Harbaugh, and then they weren't very good for a few years after that. And then they went back to the Super Bowl last year. How do you think that organization, you know, with John Lynch as their general manager now, Kyle Shanahan as a head coach, like it feels like they have, you know, the talent, as far as a coaching staff and a general manager group is concerned to be able to build up some of these young guys, because you see some of the young talent that they've had come into that organization in the last three, four years. And it's been well-developed as opposed to how it was five, six, seven, eight years ago in that organization.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing, Kyle, is that, you know, Fred Warner was inserted early into his career that first week. I remember in his rookie year against Minnesota and he's just never looked back. I mean, there was a trust instantly, with fred warner i mean when you talk about guys that are considered quote nfl draft bust usually it's because they're getting toyed around with their coaching staffs inserting them in the lineup they're yanking them out of the lineup like there's just not a consistent flow and a, a consistent role week in and week out whereas the niners from day one with fred warner they've said you are a starter we want you to be a big playmaker in this defense and he's done that and they haven't yanked him around they haven't uh pulled away maybe some of the expectations that they said to him behind closed doors, they've delivered upon that. And I think that's why it's given Fred Warner a lot of confidence and where he's turned a lot of heads and maybe people coming into the draft process a few years ago, didn't think Warner was going to be this type of talent, but because of just the investment, the commitment to Fred Warner from the jump, I think it's created a situation now where they're going to have one of the best linebackers in football. If not already, Uh, Fred Warner is one of the top guys In the league, his rookie year, he was one of the tops in tackles. And I just think he's just going to continue to get better. And I think also, too, Kyle, what I like about Fred Warner is he's someone that both vocally on and off the field, he's, I think he's a leader. Uh, You hear him a lot with uh, social justice, uh, injustices rather, uh, since what we've seen this past summer. Uh, He's been very vocal about that and wants to bring change and wants people to be using their platform and voting and and things like that but then also on the field he I think he commands a lot of respect from his teammates so just all around Fred Warner is what you want to have as a linebacker in the NFL but you got to give the credit to the
0: 49ers brass for just believing in him from the jump when he was coming out of BYU. Now, I was on the front page on Monday, uh, what was that, the, the 28th of September, with your co-host on Cougar Sports Saturday, Matt Biamonte, and I asked Matt this question, and I'm going to ask it to you as well, and I, I want you to give me, if you feel like Mitch, you know, your NBA TNT, your Charles Barkley guarantee, if, uh, if you feel this way, I want to know, do you think Fred Warner is a Pro Bowl player this year? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, I'll guarantee it. I will guarantee it. He's going to be a pro player. And uh, yeah, Fred Warner, I think, honestly, he should be, he's on that, he's got that career arc where he could be a, an all pro player uh, very soon. Maybe not this year, but I think that within the next two years, we will see Fred Warner's an all pro, but yeah, pro Bowl this year. Absolutely. That's going to happen. 100%. Mark that down. Guarantee it. Whatever Mitch's lock of the century Yeah, it's happening. Fred Warner will be a pro bowler.
0: I like it. Another question for you related to the Niners. They just recently signed Ezekiel Ansah. Ziggy is back in the NFL. He's with Fred Warner on the Niners defense. What do you make of that fit with Ziggy? You know, obviously the Niners defense has suffered some significant injuries, losing guys like, you know, Nick Bosa in the first few weeks of the season. How do you think he fits with that team? I think he fits pretty well.
1: I think that, you know, you mentioned, a lot of injuries for the 49ers. Well, that's been the issue for Ziggy because uh, when he's healthy, uh, he's an elite pass rusher. I mean, he's nowhere near what he once was when he was first coming in the league, fresh out of BYU and kind of this, this raw mold of clay that the lions were just excited to kind of shape and develop and see what he could become in the league, but shoulder injuries. I mean, various injuries have, have kind of derailed Ziggy from, I think maximizing his potential in the NFL uh, because, The times when he was at his best, I remember a Monday night game. I think it was his second in the last year in Detroit where he had three and a half tackles for loss. He had a pick. I mean, a sack. The guy just can do it all. But injuries have just been the biggest issue. Now, this is kind of the last, I think, last run, the last chance for him to maybe stick in the NFL and carve out a role. Because if it doesn't work here, I think we'll see Ziggy just be on the waiver wire and probably... Enter the retirement world uh, going forward, just because we know the NFL, it's not for long. And if you got the injuries mounting up, and it's hard to be someone when you're, you know, getting it when you're getting up there in age to be a pass rusher in this league. But for this year and what San Francisco needs because of all their injuries, I think Ziggy can bring a, a solid pass rush. I think he can do a nice job. But it's just nowhere what he once was, uh, and that's the thing is that. You know, when he was coming out of BYU in 2012, I mean, I've never seen a pass rusher like Ziggy Ansah come out of BYU before. I mean, they had guys like Jan Jorgensen before who didn't get any run in the NFL, though, Uh, but Ziggy was just elite. His his get-off, his initial burst, his speed, just top of the line. That's why he was a top-five pick. Uh, That's not there anymore, but uh, if he can give them anything, like if he can give them maybe four sacks this year somehow and just kind of be – a stop gap, maybe that could give him another opportunity to get another contract, whether it be with the Niners or someone else. But this is kind of the, I think, feel like feels like the last opportunity for Ziggy. He wants to stick in the NFL going forward.
0: A couple last questions for you, Mitch. And, you know, these are some guys here that you covered during their time at BYU, which was significant. You had the dynamic duo from 2012 to 2016 with Taysom Hill at quarterback and Jamal Williams at running back. Obviously, Jamal left the school with the all-time leading rushing record. Taysom Hill putting up ridiculous numbers, not only through the air, but also just on the ground. He was a beast. And I think that through the first three weeks of this 2020 NFL season, it's been a bit of a disappointment for both of those players. I felt like, you know, especially coming into the season, you had Aaron Rodgers, for instance, talking really highly of Jamal Williams coming in a half a step quicker, a little bit more agile and how he was able to be, you know, such a vital piece to them in the receiving game last year, where he had multiple games in a row with, you know, receiving touchdowns. And then you look at Taysom Hill with the saints and, Obviously, Sean Payton has spoken very highly of Taysom Hill and the fact that he has the number two job with the Saints behind Drew Brees. And I feel like, you know, some of maybe Taysom's play is related to that, the fact that he is their primary backup now. It's not Jameis Winston. And so they're trying to keep him healthy. But I feel like it's been a little bit of a disappointment, to me at least, to see, you know, guys that I'm covering in the NFL, guys that you covered at BYU and are, you know, following their careers throughout the NFL – have less of an impact through the first three weeks of the season than I thought. I don't know about you. Do you believe that they have had less of an impact than what you originally projected going into this season?
1: Definitely with Taysom, uh, you know, with Jamal Williams, I, I thought that the writing was on the wall potentially for him because back in the NFL draft, when the Packers selected AJ Dillon out of Boston college, I thought, Oh, Jamal might be the odd man out in that running back room. That's pretty busy and has Aaron Jones who, you know, was it, what, top 100 player on the NFL Network top 100 list? So I think that Jamal might just be the odd man out in Green Bay, and that's okay. You know, if he gets a second wave in the at another stop, he could, you know, turn his career around because you're right. I think he he put in a ton of work uh, to get right and make a case to stay in Green Bay. He's He's been embraced out there. I mean, he's a fan favorite. The guy is just lovable. That's been one of the, my favorite things about Jamal Williams in the National Football League is that the business side of football and the NFL has not taken away from the fun-loving Jamal Williams that we saw at BYU. So that's been cool to see. But Taysom Hill, I I, I am surprised that he has not had uh, the, the number of opportunities that may be expected coming in. Only 44 snaps this year for Taysom uh, through the first three weeks. And it feels like Saints fans have turned on that man in a hurry after that one fumble against Jamal Williams, Green Bay Packers this past Sunday night. So I, I think you're right, though. I think it's a little bit of a byproduct of he is now clearly the number two backup. And I still believe he's the future after Drew Brees, because I think Brees is done after this year. Drew hasn't looked that great. Uh, I just think that, you know, Brees is a step slow. He's, he doesn't have that deep ball like he once did. Uh, you saw that against Vegas, the Raiders a couple weeks ago he did not look good, and that Raiders team is not great. They're okay, but uh, they got pretty much outclassed in that game in front of an empty stadium, an exciting opportunity for Vegas, but empty nonetheless, and so I I think Taysom, it's just a byproduct of him being the backup, and I still think there's a bright future ahead of him with the Saints, but for Jamal, I think this was kind of something I felt like was going to come all along, and And I think
0: that he's probably going to have a new landing spot next year in 2021 or wherever it may be. Now, Mitch, you've been one of two guys, as far as the local media is concerned, that has covered BYU through their first two games of the season, obviously dismantling Navy and Troy You know, really impressive, impressive performances, not only on the offensive side of things, but also the defensive side of things. And I feel like, you know, one of the areas of improvement for BYU, and I know that the competition isn't what it would have been or has been in seasons past with power five teams on the schedule. But BYU's defensive line has been really impressive to me. Obviously, you know, BYU's offensive line was really highly touted coming into the season. But I feel like the other side of the line of scrimmage wasn't highly, you know, talked about this offseason. And I feel like, you know, Kyrus Tonga, for instance, was one guy that, you know, was potentially looking at the NFL each of the last two seasons. He's come back. And I feel like BYU, you know, not only has ridden you know, Kyrus Tonga to success on the line of scrimmage when they've had success. But now this season, they have a guy like Zach Daw who's helping Kyrus out. And I think that that is helping Tonga's performance this season where he's not getting double teamed as much. He's not taking the full pressure of that offensive line. And so they're having a little bit more success on the D line. What do you think about Kyrus's performance through the first two games of the season? How is it helping his NFL stock now that he's coming back to BYU for his senior season? Yeah,
1: I think Kyrus has done a really nice job uh, so far. I mean, him having those two sacks against Troy, one of them was basically just, here, come get the quarterback. He was just wide open, just a free run at the QB. You don't see that very often. But the thing that's been very noticeable with Kyrus compared to years past is that he's more reliable now on the field. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, in a critical third down where you're trying to get a stop, against the opposition he's out there on the field uh you know fourth down he's out there he's not gassed he's not uh physically tired or winded getting the oxygen mass. like he, he's out there playing and that was a big question for kairos coming in was that you know physically where would he be at now he's still probably a touch high on on the size factor but you know that's just who kairos is i mean he's a guy that's gonna be probably checking in at 329 330 but then he'll Floria with an amazing 40 time in a combine or a pro day setting. And you go, man, this guy's got uh, a unique body type and measurements and skill set that you just don't see very often. And keep in mind that he's still someone that has only been playing the nose guard defensive tackle spot for about three or four years in high school. He was a tight end. So you, you still got a guy that's kind of learning the position quite a bit and it's still got a lot of upside and maybe his best years are ahead of him. Now he is a little bit older because he served a mission for the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints. So, you know, it's going to, you are going to, if you do draft him next April, going to kind of want some impact right away because he's up there on the older side, but still, I, I think what we're seeing this year from Kairos is uh, positive. and it's something that uh, him coming back, this is the type of production, you wanted to see because it's not often you're seeing nose guards getting tackles let alone two or two sack performances he is a guy that's just more than a a gap filler he can be uh, one of the best pass rushers on a defensive line if a team gets him so yeah Kyrus has got endless ability and I always go back to Kyle when his first practice people around BYU were telling me this is going to be our version of Haloti Nata. That's being Kairos Tongan. I'm thinking, okay, this guy hasn't gone through a practice yet. Uh, let's pump the brakes here on the whole Haloti Nata bit. But, again, that's, that was the belief before he even took a snap at BYU, the potential he has. And he's showing that. He's showing that ability. And I think right now he's, a, he's definitely a guy that's going to get drafted next April. How high? Mm, I think it's still maybe a day three grade. But uh, I think that over the course of the season, if he continues to uh, produce the way that he is right now and and play with the dominance that he is, uh, we're going to see Kairos Tonga get drafted and I think end up uh, much higher
0: draft pick than we're talking about right now. Now, I would would ask you, Mitch, about Matt Bushman if he was playing, and it's a real bummer that we're not seeing Matt Bushman out on the field this season as he's out for the season with an injury after deciding to come back to BYU instead of for going to senior season and going to the NFL early. But I want to ask you about another guy that I think has some potential. And what I mean by that is I, I saw you put out a piece on KSLsports.com about Zach Wilson. He showed up on Pat Forty's way too early Heisman list. And I know you got some flack on social media about this, Mitch, because you know, there's there's a certain fan base in the state who, you know, when there's a little bit of love for the other school, you know, any award watch list or anything like that, it gets the it gets the social media buzz flowing. And uh, I, I want to ask you about Zach Wilson's performance because I feel like, you know, in that Navy game, he threw that interception early, and I thought to myself, okay, here we go. It's a little bit of what we saw last season, and I I immediately saw Zach rebound from that and he performed well for the rest of that Navy game. It wasn't like they needed him to perform well because the run game was just dominant. But when he comes out against Troy and he puts up ridiculous numbers, a career high in passing yards, he throws for two touchdowns, almost three touchdowns, and then runs in two others. It's pretty impressive to see what Wilson has done through two games. What do you think about his NFL potential if he keeps this up throughout the rest of his junior season?
1: Yeah, I, I think that Zach Wilson is a – he's got potential to be an NFL draft pick, no doubt about it. I think when, whenever you're talking about someone who statistically is right up there right now with Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick most likely next April, uh, you have to kind of start looking at Zach as a potential NFL draft pick. Now, uh, you know, he's got to continue to put some more film out there and and, some, and continue this level of play that he's at. Is he going to continue with the 78% completion rate? Probably not, but he needs to keep it around 70, and can he maintain over 300 yards per game? I think he could do that in this BYU offense. They're pretty explosive. They want to go down the field quite a bit, and what's noticeable about Zach Wilson, too, is he's throwing the ball well under pressure. Uh, in, in games this season, again, only small sample size, two games, but we've seen Zach Wilson attempt six passes under pressure BYU's offense line has been really good so he's had a lot of time against Navy and Troy but in the six pass six pass attempts where he was under duress he's averaging 10.2 yards per completion the guy's still slinging it and getting it downfield when he's under duress that's to me a sign of a guy that's got a great arm strength NFL quarterback that's what those are things that NFL scouts I, I have to imagine would really like about Wilson now last year dipped a lot of areas statistically, but there was the shoulder injury. There was the thumb injury. That was a big problem for Zach. Freshman year was kind of just a washed learning kind of getting a feel for things, but you saw flashes of potential greatness from Zach with that Idaho potato bowl performance where he was 18 of 18 in in a perfect game against Western Michigan. So I think this is the year where you kind of start to shape what his maybe NFL draft resume can be. Cause I think the first two years were just kind of, feeling itself out but now uh is where he can start to take things off with being a a completely healthy player and you're seeing zach perform at a really high level with college football only having 76 teams right now uh currently playing uh zach's one of the better quarterbacks in college football in the moment and i'm very comfortable talking about that now by season's end we'll see where it all shakes out but as far as nfl is concerned what he's doing the past few weeks definitely gonna bode well maybe for him down the road as far as putting together that NFL draft resume.
0: Last thing for you, Mitch, before we set you loose on the Yards After College podcast today, I appreciate you being able to hop on and spend some few moments with us, but I have to ask you before I let you go about your Las Vegas Raiders. Now the Raiders here, they're they're one of the adopted teams that we've you know adopted as our own on the Yards After College podcast because we've got the Raiders, and I know it's a rivalry, but we've got the Broncos and the Cardinals as well. We're going regional here. But I have to ask you, because I know that you're excited about the Raiders' move to Vegas, that nice Death Star of Allegiant Stadium, beautiful home down there. It's, it's too bad that you and I weren't able to go to that Monday night football game against the New Orleans Saints down at Allegiant Stadium, because that would have been an amazing yeah. game to go to. But I have to ask you, a big game coming up this week. They've got the Buffalo Bills, who are 3-0, and coming into Allegiant Stadium. The Raiders are 2-1 and now after dropping a game. I have to ask you who, you, who are you taking? Are you going upset? Are you picking the Raiders over the Bills? I'm going
1: to go with the upset. I think the Raiders will will show out well at home. That, that, that game this past weekend against the Patriots, it was almost like a cooked-in loss. It felt like a, just the typical loss that's baked in with an NFL schedule makers. I mean, you go with the emotional high of the upset win on Monday night against the Saints, and then you got a quick turnaround all the way to the East Coast, two time zones to play the Patriots, it just felt like a built-in loss uh, for Vegas. And the Raiders just never performed well, really, on the East Coast in those early kick games to begin with. So I think they bounce back, though, this week. And and Buffalo's still a team that they're not used to having a, a target on them, like where they're kind of this team that you look at and say they would be the ones getting upset, whereas usually they, they were always in the role Of being the team that's upsetting folks so that's still something that they're kind of sorting out now I know that they were in the playoffs last year with Josh Allen and he's got a bright future ahead of him I remember watching him quite a bit when he was at Wyoming and uh, they played BYU a couple years back in the poinsettia bowl and uh, he's a heck of a player great arm strength from from Josh Allen but I think the Raiders get it done I think that uh, you know Derek Carr has pleasantly surprised me to this point I was kind of one of those people in the camp of maybe you start to explore other options away from Derek Carr. But, man, you look through some of the stats and the record books of Raider history, you're talking about one of the winningest QBs in the franchise's history. I mean, he's up there with Daryl LaMonica and, and Ken Stabler, the Snake. So uh, Carr is surprisingly rising up the, uh, the record books here with the Raider organization. I think they get it done in a close game. I, I think that there's going to be some points scored. I don't think this Raiders defense – by any means, is anything special through three weeks? Been battling a lot of injuries, too. Uh, Damon Arnett at quarter, cornerback, first round pick, he's battling a little bit of an injury. He's questionable. So I think that Raiders get it done. I'll say 26 23 Vegas uh, to get back to another victory at Holmes so, and go to
0: 3 and 1, which would be a heck of a start for John Gruden and crew in year one in Sin City. He's the leader of the Mitchites, our BYU insider. Host of the Cougar Tracks podcast and also host of Cougar Sports Saturday on KSL Radio. You can check that out on Saturdays from 12 to 3, except for this Saturday is a little different. We've got BYU football against Louisiana Tech at home on Friday, the 2nd of October. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Mitch is going to have all of that game covered for you on kslsports.com. Also on Instagram at KSL Sports and on Twitter at KSL Sports. But be sure to give Mitch a follow at Mitch underscore Harper on Twitter. Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate your time and have fun covering that game on Friday. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Appreciate
1: you and and congrats on all your success here on the Yards After College podcast. You're doing a great job and uh, continue the great work being uh, the top guy covering the NFL here in the state of Utah.
0: Welcome back to the Yards After College podcast, which is brought to you by kslsports.com. My thanks again to Mitch Harper, our BYU insider at kslsports.com. Mitch has followed a number of these BYU players throughout their recruiting process, all the way to when they signed with BYU to now where they're at in the NFL. So great to have his insight and his knowledge on the BYU players in the NFL. Uh, Be sure to follow Mitch on Twitter at Mitch underscore Harper. And then be sure to check out his coverage for the BYU and Louisiana Tech game on Friday, October 2nd. It's going to be covered for you on kslsports.com, also on Mitch's Twitter, and then also on the KSL Sports social pages. Be sure to check those out. If you haven't followed us already, it's at KSL Sports on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you are on social media, search KSL Sports and you'll find us. Before we close today's episode... I wanted to bring up some of the major storylines that are being talked about in the NFL right now. Obviously, a great Monday night football game. Uh, you saw the Kansas City Chiefs reigning Super Bowl champions play at the Baltimore Ravens. Both teams were 2-0 and entering that matchup, and you had both MVPs from the previous two seasons facing off against one another. Uh, it was impressive to see what Patrick Mahomes was able to do, because... You know, I I talked about how he was my MVP pick for the 2020 NFL season before the season began, and then Russell Wilson, my goodness, just came you know flying onto that that train, that MVP train. He jumped aboard real quick, and uh, it's it's a two man race, I think, for the NFL MVP so far through the first three weeks of the NFL season, led by Russell Wilson, I think, because of what he's he's been able to do through the first three weeks of the season. But my gosh. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he was spectacular against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he was doing a little bit of everything, started things off with a running touchdown and then uh, was just slinging it all over the field as they dismantled the ball. Baltimore Ravens defense who came in with one of the league's best defenses, if not the best defense, and then you know, came out with a 34-20 to 20 victory on Monday night. Some other major storylines that are being talked about in NFL circles right now, The Steelers and the Titans are scheduled to play on Sunday. That game is now being moved to, it sounds like it's going to be on Monday, potentially on Tuesday due to COVID-19 issues with the Tennessee Titans. Apparently a few of the players from the Titans have tested positive for the virus. And so that game is being postponed at least a day, if not two days because of the the COVID-19 situation. It's the first game of the 2020 season, that has really been impacted as far as scheduling is concerned. Obviously, you know the limitation of fans or the the number of fans being able to attend these games has been impacted. But something to keep an eye on as we move forward throughout the number of weeks into the middle of the season here, uh, if these games are you know going to continue to be postponed, uh, because this is the first, it may not be the last. So definitely something to keep an eye on as far as the virus and its impact on the NFL. Another thing relating to the, the coronavirus is the NFL has obviously, we talked about last week, uh, fined a number of teams after a number of coaches and personnel on sidelines were not wearing face coverings throughout performances during week two of the NFL season. Um, the the NFL is cracking down on this. They They see the fact that the the Titans-Stillers game is being postponed due to positive tests, and obviously, you know, that's something that the, the league is not wanting to have occur on a regular basis, and so they're trying to limit the impact of the virus on these games, but they're also, you know, talking about issuing suspensions and also taking away draft picks. The NFL isn't messing around when it comes to the coronavirus situation on the sidelines, that is. Uh, you know, some of these stadiums are being able to have fans but they're requiring masks face coverings during the games for fans and they're also expecting the same for NFL personnel uh, coaching staffs to be able to you know have the the same standards uh, that a fan would have going into these games when they're on the sidelines so something to keep an eye on whether more uh, of these coaching staffs of these teams you know now a hundred thousand dollars may not seem like a lot to some of these NFL coaches, or a quarter of a million dollar fines for these NFL organizations may be a drop in the bucket. And so I think that it's good that the NFL is, you know, taking it a step further by threatening some suspensions, some draft picks, because those are gonna be things that you know money talks to a certain degree, but I think that those things also have a great impact on whether or not these coaching staffs, whether or not this, you know, Personnel issue with wearing face coverings will be solved. Uh, something to keep an eye on as the, the weeks continue throughout the NFL season. Another story that came out of week three of the NFL season obviously, we've seen through the first couple of weeks uh, a number of injuries, and not only, you know, week to week injuries, but we've seen significant knee injuries and other issues related to uh, field play and turf. I know the San Francisco 49ers talked about playing in MetLife Stadium and the condition of the artificial turf there. Uh, The NFL Players Association just issued a statement or a memo, that is, uh, out to the 32 teams asking that they all change their field surfaces from if they do have artificial turf to natural grass. Some of these teams in the stadiums have figured out a way to be able to have natural grass, even indoor stadiums. An example of that is the Las Vegas Raiders now in their new Allegiant Stadium. We had Tim Hughes on the podcast a few weeks ago discussing this and the fact that the Raiders actually in Allegiant Stadium, even though they're playing in the dome, they have a system where they can roll out the turf outside to be able to get sun so the grass doesn't wilt and then they will it back in underneath the stadium to be able to have that surface be brought back in to have a natural surface but also to be able to have... You know a dome at the same time there's solutions to some of these problems uh, that you know these newer stadiums are figuring out i took this story this memo that was put out by the nflpa and i put it out as a poll on the ksl sports twitter account you can go check that out at ksl sports uh, i asked would you like to see the nfl move away from playing on artificial turf surfaces and have the league be played all on natural grass. So far coming in, we've got a couple hundred votes in, and 53% of you are saying yes, that you'd like to see the NFL move to all natural grass. Uh, 7.5% of you said no, and then 38% of you, a little over 38% of you are saying either surface is fine. Go ahead and chime in on that poll. Uh, let me know what you think, whether or not you think that you know these natural grass versus artificial grass surfaces are causing or, you know, significantly reducing the amount of injuries and check out that article on kslsports.com. Last thing before we set you loose on this podcast episode today is I want to go over my games of the week. And I think that I have one game that I'm going to highlight as my game of the week, but I'm going to give you three that I think are the best games of the week. The first is the Bills versus the Raiders. Uh, you've got the Bills and the Raiders like we talked about with Mitch. You've got the Bills who are 3 and 0. You've got the Raiders who were 2 and 1 after losing the game on the road to the New England Patriots. The Bills are currently favored to win this game and I think that it's because of the play that Josh Allen has put out this season. Obviously, you know, hasn't had uh, the re- receiving core that he's had, like he does this season with Stefan Diggs coming in. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards th- so far through the first three weeks of the season. He's got 10 passing touchdowns. I like this matchup. It's at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, the, the Raiders, if, if they can play like they did against the New Orleans Saints at home a couple of weeks ago, I like the Raiders in this game. Uh, another game is the Steelers versus the Titans that game currently postponed. We'll find out if it's Monday or Tuesday that that game takes place, but it's a pair of 3 and 0 teams. Uh there's not very many undefeated teams uh through the first 3 weeks of the NFL season, so I like to see what happens between the Steelers on the road against the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to go with the Steelers. I like them uh, upsetting the Titans at home. I think that Big Ben, you know, coming off of the injury and his surgery last season, he's looked really good through the first three weeks of the season. They've got a good wide receiving core led by Juju Smith-Schuster. And then James Conner, after getting banged up in week two, he played really well in week three. And I like the Steelers on the road against the Tennessee Titans. But my game of the week is, is Sunday afternoon, you've got the New England Patriots, who are 2-1, traveling to the 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs. I'm interested in seeing how the, the Patriots play after beating the, the Raiders. Uh, you've got the Chiefs, who picked up a, their third win uh, against an undefeated Baltimore team at the time. I like the Chiefs in this game to move to 4-0, and but I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a closer game than a lot of people think it might be. Um, I like the, the Chiefs, though, coming out on top in this week four matchup. That'll do it for this episode of the Yards After College podcast brought to you by kslsports.com. Again, I'm your host, Kyle Ireland. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Ireland and on Instagram at Kyle Ireland KSL. We'll be back again next week to wrap up all the performances from week four of the NFL season You've got the week four NFL season starting off on Thursday night football between a pair of Owen and three teams, the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. We'll see who picks up their first week of the season. Until then, be sure to check out kslsports.com. Be sure to download the new KSL Sports app. Whether you have an Android device or you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can check out the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Just search KSL Sports and download the app. Be sure to check out the Yards After College podcast again. Wherever you get your podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate and review us. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Until next week, this has been the Yards After College podcast, powered by kslsports.com.